Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Podcast. Scotty, what is going on? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, there's really been very minimal baseball news. It's been taken over by the basketball news of James Harden going to the Nets. Oh my, do you have a thought on that really quick if we want to hop sports? Go New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Like, go New Jersey? It's so frustrating because on paper they should be doing so well, but Kyrie hasn't played in like a week and a half. They have no freaking idea where the man is. I would say Kyrie did a cespedes. Yeah, he's just like pieced out. James Harden is troublesome to work with. Hopefully... I'm afraid that James Harden and Kyrie's personalities are not really going to get along. But hopefully KD can kind of be like a neutralizer in it all. Maybe. Yeah. I saw it this, also requires Kyrie showing up. I saw this video today about it. And it was like KD and uh, James Harden doing their pregame warm-ups, you know, like shooting around. Uh-huh. And there's Kyrie in the locker room doing like... Saging? The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. It, if... All three of them can work together on the court. That's a wonderful team. It's if you can get, first of all, all three of them on the court at the same time. Second of all, if they can actually get it to work. But we'll see. There's been a lot more basketball movement. And then, like, that was like a six-team super trade. It was was wild. It was a four-team trade. It was was crazy. Victor Oladipo is now on the Rockets, correct? Yep. Lavert's gone. Yeah. And, um... Someone Jared wants to Allen? Be... I yeah, I think so. This is a big center for the Nets. That was, yeah. was a big part of them. But, but this is a baseball podcast. This is a baseball <laughs> podcast, exactly. So um, not a whole lot of Yankee news this week. The only thing is now my least favorite topic to talk about being the DJ LeMahieu contract. It came out sometime early this week that he was saying that he was dismayed with the Yankees not making like aggressive progress and that he reopened the conversation to other teams. Nobody's giving you five years, $110 million. I hate to say it, you know? Yeah. That's like kind of like the one thing that I, I like and kind of like I'm hopeful about it is that's a, like his ideal contract is not just unrealistic for the Yankees, but unrealistic as a whole. Yeah. Which kind of gives me a little more hope. I I agree. Like, it has been weird. I've been seeing people on Twitter saying we they've switched up and are all of a sudden saying we don't need to re-sign DJ LeMahieu. Um, I think that is a lie. I think that's people just trying to, like, make it not hurt as much if we don't end up signing him. They're like, we don't need him anyway. We need you, to spend that money on pitching. But You like, just watched... You just watched that Lindor trade go down, and you're gonna say that they don't they they won't go and take the one again another another top shortstop in the league. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. Like the Mets have all. Also, there's rumor that like I didn't the article didn't give much information, but there's rumor that with the Lindor trade, maybe they won't the Mets won't be grabbing Springer, but like the Dodgers are interested in him. But the thing is, I feel like there's not a team who's not interested in DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. And I think that that's a, like, that's a threat that we all feel. But I also think that everyone is kind of in the same... Like, I don't think anybody's really going to be offering much more than the Yankees are going to be offering, you know? Yeah. And I, I think he just has to, like, open his eyes and realize that. Like... Yeah, you're really good, but you're also on the higher side for age. And no one wants to guarantee you a five-year contract in case, like, year three or year four, you're really starting to a little bit, Yeah, you know? But I don't know. I just – I want to just report a contract at some point because I'm getting so, so tired of saying, like, and we have no new information – like, every other team is starting to make moves. Let's just do something. Something. Not just sign some guys to minor league deals or pick a guy up off of waivers. Let's make a move to our 40-man roster and our core of our 40-man roster and make a decision. Even if it's 
not signing DJ and signing a shortstop so that you end up moving Glaber back to second base. I don't care what the move is. There just needs to, I mean, like I would prefer it not to be that, but like, I just, I just need something, you know, it's getting boring. Yeah. It's, and then there's a whole thing that her dad just brought up today, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about how he saw like a tweet about a Kyle Hendricks trade for the, uh, to the Yankees. I think it was Kyle. Yeah. I think it's Kyle. There's two Hendricks in the league. It sort of throws <laughs> me off. Uh, yeah. And then he said that, hey, he thought that happened. And I go, I don't think it did. And then apparently it's just like one tweet about it. Mm-hmm. Which um, uh, it would have been like minor leaguers and um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The other, our rookie pitcher, other than Schmidt King. Schmidt, I think. Yeah, I think it's Schmidt. That's that's kind of like the one thing that that he read. He said like Schmidt. And oh, oh, I saw that. For... It was yeah, it was a theory. It wasn't even anything confirmed. Yeah, it was just people and like. That one actually made sense. It was like Hendricks for Schmidt and like two other minor leaguers where like you're actually like for once we're giving up more people than we're receiving. Yeah. It was like the first like fan theory trade that I was like, that actually makes sense and is like even. <laughs> um, but I mean, have you seen any other Yankee news this week? No. Yeah, it's been pretty freaking silent. Um, but let's... Uh, look at some other other league news situations um really quick i wanted to mention about the passing of tommy lasorda i personally i don't think either of us were really alive and aware of baseball while he was coaching yeah um but i do know that he was like a baseball legend i've seen the video of him fighting the philly fanatic that is amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't remember what he said exactly, um, but the I think it was the manager or yeah the manager of the Dodgers I think was going in for an interview during their world, like uh, one of their World Series runs, and Tommy Lasorda was outside of the interview room, mm-hmm. and they were like talking about like them potentially winning, and then um, like the people outside were like, "Hey, Tommy wants to say something to you," and he goes, uh, and the man- and the manager is like, "All right, yeah, goes out there." And then he just goes, you haven't won shit yet, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he just gives him straight up, straightforward answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything that, like, you heard about him through, like, players talking about him after he passed, like, he was a no-nonsense baseball guy, and, you know, you gotta appreciate those guys. Of course, I think he had um his own issues off the field in relation to like social justice issues i heard talks of him not being um very supportive of like the lgbtq plus community but then i don't want to like reason with it his generation is kind of a head through the wall in that situation just a bit (laughs) but um you know you got to respect what the man did for the game his passion for the game um and rest in peace you know Mm -hmm. Um, moving on, we had quite a few moves made in the last week. So the Astros penned a two-year deal with a third-year option with Pedro Baez for $10 million plus a $500,000 signing bonus and a $7.5 million option for 2023. Now, he is a reliever, I believe. I'm like 99% sure he's a reliever. Um, and we'll, we'll see what... What happens there? Oh, you want to know what also happened, I think, between episodes? Was that guy coming out and saying the thing about the pine tar and the pitchers. Or not pine tar. I have no idea what you're talking about. There was some thing that came out that was um, accusing pitchers, like literally every pitcher, um, of using this substance that allows them to control their ball more on the mound. And... Everyone in the league knew it was happening. It started um, um, with an Angels, like, locker room coach or, like, bench coach or something, and it just, like, grants the pitcher a little bit more control over their ball. And then all of a sudden, um, this guy recently came out and listed all of these pitchers that used it, like Verlander, 
um, Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, all like pretty much literally everybody. Um, but everyone in the league already knew that it was happening. And um, like batters knew that it was happening. Pitchers knew it was happening. Everybody knew. And it honestly granted people a little bit more comfort because now a guy can throw in a hundred mile, hundred mile an hour fastball and like know where it was going. Um, but technically I think the league needs to review it because now that it has been brought to like public light, they have to like notice that an illegal substance has been being used on the mound or whatever. But I think it was, um, this guy just like blew something out of proportion because he helped all these guys like fix their, not fix their pitches, but gain a little bit more control over their pitches. And then he just never got anything like in return for it. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, A, if it's something that, like, everybody knew about it and nobody's making a big deal about it, I think that kind of shows what it is. And then also, if, like, if it's been going on and there has been no realization mm-hmm. during the game or, like, no calling out of it during the game, then it clearly, I guess, isn't that huge of a substance. Yeah, I think I think it was, like, disguised in a rosin bag, I think. Like, but, like, the biggest thing is that, like, if you ask, like, professional batters, they'd say that they prefer, like, they're they're honestly somewhat okay with pitchers going and using stuff like that because, exactly as you said, they have more control of it. Yeah. On a, on a wet day, on, on a rainy day, you rather have them go and use, like, a little bit of this substance to then go and actually be able to hit the strike zone than go and throw a 97 at their head by mistake. Exactly. Yeah, I just, that just popped in my head. So I don't have any of, like, the actual, like, facts or names that are involved. I just remember waking up one day and seeing Verlander, Garrett Cole, Scandal in the same headline. And I was like, what the hell is this now? What is this? And then... I like read it a little bit and I was like, Oh, we've been new. Um, but just thought it'd be, it'd be something to bring up. Um, other than Pedro Baez, the other signing from this week was Kyle Schwarber to the Nats for one year. Um, in 2020, he had a slash of 188, 308 and 393. Um, the batting average is yikes, but I mean, do you have any, any thoughts about Schwarber? I mean, he can bring stuff to a team. I mean, it's gonna help. Uh, it's gonna help him a bit. I mean, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Nationals had a had a pretty rough year this Very year. Very true. So they want to figure something out, and I feel like that might be a, a pretty good place that I might help them out a bit. Because I mean, he was a part of a very of a good Cubs team. Yeah. And so he kind of has that experience. That Cubs team should. I feel like that Cubs team should have won more than just one World Series. They should have. <laughs> They didn't. <laughs> they didn't, but they should have. Um, also, Bleacher Report just came in. Free agent catcher Yadier Molina says he could retire with his head held high if no MLB offer fits. Um, I don't blame him. Uh, yeah, he's had a great career. Um, and I mean, catching if you don't all like if you don't decide to eventually switch to being a DH, like you can't do that forever. Your body. He has been doing it for a long time. Yeah, and I don't know how his body has not just given up. Like, I don't know how he doesn't just sit on his butt behind the plate. He just sits there the whole time. I'm not going to bat. I'll, just, I'll catch for the <laughs> other like, team. I'll too. catch for both teams. <laughs> I'm just stuck in this squat right now, and I'm going to need someone to, like, yank me out of it. Um, but I guess we'll keep our eyes on that if he uh, officially announces his retirement. Um, the opposite of a retirement here is this rumor swirling around San Diego that the Padres are apparently working on a 10-year deal with Fernando Tatis Jr. in the 210 to $320 million area. I looked it up again yesterday to get my numbers right, and some sources were saying that it was false and just, like, made up. I don't think so. <laughs> like... The only thing is, do they have that money after the Manny Machado contract? But, like, right now, at this very moment, if I was going to build a franchise around anyone... He's the man. He's the he guy. He's the guy. You know? Like, that. that's... like, And the Padres will do it, and the Padres are currently doing it. It's like, the Angels signed Trout to build a like a, a organization around him, but then never... 
did. Yeah. I mean, they still have many years on his contract to do it, but like they haven't done it yet. Tatis, they're already building that program up. You know, you have, they signed Darvish, they signed Snell, traded. I don't, I use the word signed, but I know some of them were trades, whatever. Um, they acquired, we'll use acquired. There you go. I they found. acquired Snell, acquired Darvish, have a long contract with Manny Machado, had an excellent season this year with young guys. Why not lock in the, I think, hottest player in the league right now for 10 years? I think that the only issue, and this goes along with what you just said, it's a great idea, but it goes with the Manny Machado trade. You mm-hmm. just got, you have an amazing pitching lineup, and if you pay both these guys, you're not going to be able to pay for pitchers. Yeah, true. You're not going to be able to pay for anybody else. Snell's going to be here for the one year or whatever he has left, and then he's going to be gone. Darvish is, is like in the same boat. Like Once their contracts are done... I don't know how much the Padres are going to have left over. True, true. That is a good fact. Good, not good fact. Good point. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that there's like a huge rush to get the Tatis contract right now. I think he still has like another year or two years. Two years would probably be my guess. I think a rookie In his like rookie contract. So like they can save up and like work out the numbers and then have him sign it in a year or in two years. Um, but I mean, it's a great, great, it's awesome. The timing wise to lock up the left side of your infield, right? You can lock, you can have the two of them. I think Manny has now eight years left, right? He signed two years ago for 10. Does that sound right? I think so. That sounds close because, enough, right? Because he would have signed before Tatis was huge. Yeah. And people were like, oh, this is pretty bold and then Tatis has come out of nowhere has, has done his thing yeah we saw well we saw them play the Mets two years ago oh so he might be three years out oh yeah because we saw him two years ago two years ago and yes. we already knew who Fernando Tatis Jr. Yes. was yes so he might have seven years I mean I'm not saying seven years isn't a long time no. seven years <laughs> is still a long time but I mean to have your the left side of your infield pretty locked up in the next year two years why not like why not um, so definitely something to keep an eye on. Something that just popped up in my brain, um, when we were talking about, I don't know how it made me think of it. What is the situation with David Price and the Dodgers? So he opted out of 2020, which would have been the season that he would have played with the Dodgers, right? Cause he came over in the Mookie trade. Mookie signed a contract with the Dodgers did David Price? I, I don't think he did. I, mean, I don't know if he, he so has like, to. What happens to the players that, you know, got traded or got or only had like one more year in their contract and then ended up opting out of the 2020 season? It might be that if they opted out, they might have another year and then they just didn't get paid this year. They just opt, yeah, because I I think an an opt out they definitely didn't get paid, but like contractually I just didn't, and I don't know if anybody has ever like actually said what happened. So if anybody knows, <laughs> that'd be really great to tell me. Um, but like what what happens with him now? Can he please come back to the Red Sox so that we can just? Bah, 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 the bah, Dodgers bah. and Red Sox agreed to split Price's salary from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two, according to reports at the time of the trade. That means the Dodgers will owe Price sixteen million in both 2021-2022, while the Red Sox will pay him out the same amount to not pitch for them. So, so not, they didn't even have to pay him. They're paying twenty uh, twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. So um, he'll he'll be a Dodger those two years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know. Uh, talking about the. Red Sox, there is a bit of a rumor going around that they have Benintendi. They're kind of shopping him out. Um, don't know what the hell you can offer for him. He's worthless at the moment. Homeboy can't hit a ball to save his life. But See, this isn't, this isn't a trade for you to get Benintendi. <laughs> it's for us to get anybody else. <laughs> Please help us. You can cut him as soon as you get him. But, um... Just just eyeballs to keep. So, Scotty, what else do you have um, from around the league? 
So um, the first big thing that uh, I found was it was kind of two things that I'm combining into one. Rob Manfred says that he plans on having a full spring training, yes. full 162-game season. And along with that 162-game season, the MLB does not plan to mandate that fans provide proof of vaccination or negative COVID test. Yeah, I didn't love that. That I think the vaccination makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like the test is a that's... Yeah, and it's like... They're just like, ah, come in. All right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just getting nervous because like, not to like turn around and, and look at the NBA again, but like they're doing like a full travel and they've been having a lot of issues already. And I think that I'm pretty sure that basketball players away from the game are a lot different than baseball players away from the game. James Harden going to a strip club every day. But um, uh, it is a little bit concerning for the players um, to be, you know, playing the full 162 and be traveling the whole time. But also fans not needing to show any proof that they've tested negative that makes me nervous as a fan like listen I want to be back in ballparks as badly as anyone but if I am not certain that the person sitting next to me well I think that's gonna be it they're probably gonna go and do what the NFL's doing and you're limited to like one sixteenth of your fans yeah but then like I, I don't know like baseball is a very long game like it's hard to sit in your one chair the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Like, are you allowed to get up and go get food? Or, like, is it delivered to you? I think there's a lot of, um, like, little and I think that, that's probably things something that need to be, be worked out. They'll be worked out a little later. Mm-hmm. Because they do still have time. And they do still have to react if anything changes in the world. True. So, I mean, I think that's just their base kind of thing here. They're just like, ah, oh, we'll just kind of say that. And then if it gets closer and it's still bad, they'll be like, hey, okay, you do need to test. Something like that. Um, but then uh, another thing that I wanted to bring up, MLB posted their predictions for the next 10 World Series. Yeah. The Yankees are in three of them and wins only only in 2030. Yeah, and did you see who wins before us? The fucking Baltimore Orioles. Orioles. Yes, the Orioles do. The Tigers make one. The Tigers make I one. Feel, the Red Sox make it. I feel like they almost did this just to make people angry they were like okay we can't have it be like the mariners and the royals like you can't put like super bad teams on there but they were like yankees fuck you dodgers you win the next two years and that's it and then like they don't even make an appearance again right no 2028 they win again oh okay but like and like i don't know how you can at all you can't say that any of these are valid predictions. You because can't, because nobody saw the Nationals winning last year. Nobody saw the Snell trade. No, exactly. Like you don't know what's going to happen, and especially something like, you could predict next year's. Go and tr- You can try to predict next year's. Yeah. Now. Sure, yes, you can do that. But within the next three years, three years and above, there is no shot. You the thing is, anything. like, yeah, exactly. People can get traded. People can get signed. People can, like, not play baseball anymore. And people can come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Let's say, like, right, the Yankees have, like, all this faith in Jason Dominguez eventually being old enough to play baseball. All of a sudden, he's like, I don't want to play anymore. I mean, I don't, I don't expect him to ever be like, I don't want to play anymore. But, like, something happens. He breaks his back, knock on wood. But, like... That can throw everything off, like a huge injury that ends up like Alex Smith level injury to a baseball player, that throws an entire team off. I I think that it was just like a post to get people talking and get fans angry, and it was successful. It did it very well, but yeah, I agree. There's no way that you can predict the next. You can't predict two years from now. You can barely predict like next year's now. You know, it's it's. It was an interesting approach. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to bring up. So for those who didn't know, and actually I I wouldn't be surprised if people didn't know, this week, this past week, the NFL had their playoffs, their wild card game playoffs, Ah, and they had a separate broadcast of the Saints-Bears game. They had two of them. They had one on whatever they had. Fox. Fox. And they had one on Nickelodeon. Yes. And the Nickelodeon one had their own little, uh, they had their own commentators. They had their own little special effects that went on during the game, everything like that. And 
I thought, like, honestly, when I heard about it, I thought it was going to be extremely stupid. Mm-hmm. But, like, seeing things from it, it was actually, like, kind of cool. And it was very good to reach out to these younger kids. Exactly. I saw, I saw this, I think it was this, this video as well, and it was from a guy, and he goes, hey, it took me eight years to figure out how football worked, and my kid just learned it in, in one three-hour game. Like, exactly. They had, their commentators went and they did it. They had three commentators. One of them I knew 100% only knew football. Mm-hmm. One of them like was a is a Nick is like a Nickelodeon actor, yeah, or actress. And so she she knows like all the Nick things and then a little bit about football. And then they had like a third. I don't even know who the third commentator what he yeah, did. Yeah, neither. But like they did that. And, and it was so interactive with both the football side and the kids side that it actually like brings kids to the sport. Exactly. They had great examples. They went and they said, hey, taste, well, I think one of, them, one of the examples was Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. They were like SpongeBob and Patrick, like things like that. Like you're connecting the kids to, the, to football. And I mean, we talk about this a lot with baseball is we're trying to bring fun into the game. Mm-hmm. I think that the players we the like the players weekend that they had, yeah. I think that was a good attempt. I think that's more to the fans, but not as much to the younger audience. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to figure out something. I see a lot of people also say that they should do a partner a partnership with Nick to do like a, a weekend of that, something like that as yeah. well. Cause that's a huge thing. I mean, it was gun it seemed like it was gonna be so stupid. But it was really good. It was surprisingly Yeah. Yeah. I mean the only part that I have against it was they had an MVP, uh, Nickelodeon most valuable like a most yeah. valuable player. Uh Mitchell Trubisky won that. Didn't they lose? <laughs> oh, they got whooped. <laughs> top three, the top three were all Bears players. And, <laughs> and it's like, how are you the MVP? Your team just got smacked. Because it was like a fan, it was like fan voted. And I bet it was just all for jokes because it's freaking Mitchell Chabrisky. Yeah. And so all I saw was things of like um, his draft class, which is like him, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, I think maybe Lamar Jackson. I think yeah. that might have been all been the same draft class. And they're like, huh, Patrick Mahomes has a Super Bowl trophy. Uh, freaking Lamar Jackson has an MVP, but you know what? None of them have an MVP. That's so funny. It's <laughs> Um, but yeah, I agree. Like the Nickelodeon game was super fun to watch, and like football is a, a confusing game to understand. Like what everything means. Like what is illegal motion? What it you know? And they were yeah, able, like, they, like especially in that, like they had an offsides and a false start. Yeah. Like that, and that happened in the game. So that's not something that you could just be like. Those are confusing rules to somebody who has no idea what's going on. Exactly. So, like, if they were able to simplify football to be understood by kids, baseball is so much simpler. Like, yeah, there's, like, strategy or whatever, but, like, the basic rules are so straightforward, and it's so easy to, like, make exciting and, like, add, like, the slime graphic to a home run or something. And I think Nickelodeon is a like a really great like level of like maturity and immaturity for sports. Like Disney is too young. You know, I don't need to see Mickey Mouse leaping for joy when someone hits a home run. Nickelodeon is like edgy enough to be like a little bit more mature, you know. Are you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, no, no. It's not it's not for like too young of kids, but it's also not for like too old where like you yeah. already you already decided what you like or not. Yeah, exactly. It's like and it just makes like I know our dad didn't watch the Nickelodeon broadcast. He's like, I think it's gonna be stupid. Well it, Why do you just wanna watch the boring broadcast? Because well, I mean, it's for a reason like this. I'm the youngest, I'm seventeen. There's no reason, like I mean for somebody who wants to watch the game and they they have a child who's seven, mm-hmm. watch it on Nick. Why not? I mean, that kind of then you can get your kid maybe into it. I don't know True. something like that. But like, I feel like he. But yeah, I think that sports should definitely pair up with Nickelodeon just to because we've talked about it and I talked about it in my interview this week too. Like, baseball has really struggled to reach that like Gen Z audience, and you know platforms like TikTok will do it, but like. That's just, okay, I'm going to watch TikTok to see, like, Mookie Betts make this catch. Whatever. But, like, if you can make an entire game, 
more fun to watch. You just have to make it very clear that it's not like that at the stadium. Because when I first, when I saw the tweet that it was like the first person gets slimed, like getting a touchdown, I was like, they shot slime on the field. (laughs) And then I was like, it's, it's, it's not real. It's fake. But, um, yeah, I agree that that's a big thing. Um, really quick before we dive into our team, anything from Bauer this week? Big things from Bauer actually. Um, so he put out a video about what he's looking for, for, uh, in free agency. And so I made a list of some of the things. And so, yeah, he just said, um, like he, he didn't say anything specific about teams or anything like that, but he just kind of went over what he's looking for in his contract. Mm-hmm. So a big thing, his big thing is that he doesn't want to be a player, like a player for the team. He wants to have a partnership with the team. So he says, I give, I give things to them. They give things back to me, things like that. Like, um, like, you know, they, yeah, you give them your talents. They give you money. Exactly. Things like that. But also along with that, he's saying like, Hey, um, I have my ways of doing things. Like, um, like he said, he learns from them. They learn from him because he came into this league and people didn't think he'd do well because he did nothing like normal. He was like one of the first people to introduce like throwing weighted balls, things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess listening to hard, solid rock music, probably also heavy metal music, probably also is a new thing. Um, but like he wants something like that. He said he wants to be happy. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, he said he doesn't really care about geography, where it is, like big market, nothing like that. He doesn't really have a selection. He's a people think that uh, he wants to be at a big marketplace, but I mean, he did well in Cincinnati and every every place like that. So he doesn't really have. I much of- honestly think that he would do better in a small market. Like put him on the Brewers, and he would have so much fun. <laughs> but I feel like put him in a city like New York, where he's competing with not only another baseball team, but two football teams, two basketball teams. Like he's not going to be the, like, I think that he'd do really well. Like in, like, listen, we'd love to have him on the Yankees. We've talked about that, but like in a city where he's like the only star or it's just like him and one other guy, like in Milwaukee, it'd be him, Christian Yelich, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can't say that last name, but like, and that's it, right? Like that's all there is, but I don't know. Keep going. Well, the Brewers are a not valid choice after this next one. Oh, God. He wants to win a World Series. Okay, never mind. I'm kidding about the Brewers. the Brewers. So, yeah, he wants to win a World Series. I mean, makes sense. I feel like most people want to. Yeah, no one goes there and they're like, I want to lose. Yeah. Um, I don't care if we win or lose, but I'm a professional athlete. And then another thing that he wants is that he is looking for a team that will understand that he wants to pitch every fourth day instead of fifth. Because a big thing is most people pitch every fifth day. Yeah. He goes, I want to communicate that. We've done statistics on me. Like, I always do all the statistics about me when I pitch days after, and I always feel the best and pitch the best on my fourth day. Interesting. And if I have to communicate with that with the team, maybe a guy prefers resting another day, pitching every sixth day. That could work a little bit better on that. Something like that. And so, I mean, he that's kind of like the big thing about he's like, I want to learn from them. They learn from me. Things like that. Yeah. Um. He said he cares, but also doesn't care about the money it, okay. um, because he wants more money. He's, that's kind of like the, his big thing is that he's looking for these this more money because he thinks that he'll bring more to a team mm-hmm. other than just his talents. It is very interesting that he's like so publicly marketing himself. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing is, I think first of all, people think that what he's looking for in a contract is too much. Because they only see him as a player. But yeah. also at the same time, I think that he might be giving himself a little bit too much yeah. for what his off-field things are rather yeah, like, than his on-field. Like, listen, he is a fantastic pitcher, but he has to go to a very specific team. Like, it needs to be a very, like, it can't be like a no-nonsense, straight and narrow team. Like, it has to be, like, not only the right players on the field but the right like management and general management like talent wise he could fit anywhere but personality wise he can't and and I think that it's I think it's interesting that he's not like a lot of the times when you say that you think of like a player like James Harden like Kyrie Irving sorry that we keep on going back to the NBA but like 
you think of a player that's difficult to play with, and that's not the issue with Bauer as much as he's just, like, different, and he values himself very high, which is, like, great for self-confidence, but he's very open, and you need to make sure that you have, like, a management team and players that are okay with that, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think also a big thing is that people are seeing Bauer this year, and that's what they're thinking of Bauer. Yeah. Bauer went and had had the amazing season he had this year. Last year, in 2019, he had an awful season. Yeah. He had a 6.39 ERA. He chucked the ball into center field. Yeah, he had a he had a terrible year. And, I mean, it, his years prior to that have been eh. Yeah. They've been okay. I mean, nothing amazing. But, like, he had one good year, and I think that's also making teams a bit scared. They're like, hey, you had a good year. You got Cy Young. Let's go. And then they're also like, but also, you've only done this once. Mm-hmm. Are you and it's not like you've had any other, like, you know, you Darvish, who had multiple Cy Young finish, like top five finishes. It was you were not good, and then something changed. You know, maybe you started looking at, like, your stats closer and figuring out what made you better. That's great, but it is concerning that, like, he was cold, 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 and then really hot. Yeah, you had, you had one good year. And it's a shortened year. Yeah. People think that, too, is a big thing. And so, like, there are uh, still, like, a ton of things up with Bauer on both sides. That mm-hmm. I think I think there's both sides that people aren't seeing. Like, Bauer, I feel like, isn't seeing things about himself. And people aren't seeing things about him. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. All right, anything else from him? Not really. Nothing, nothing else too special. Yeah. Um, I mean... I'm getting annoyed looking at every free agent contract, honestly. Like, a thing came up about Real Muto yesterday, and they're like, the Phillies are still interested, but do they have the money? We've been asking that same question all offseason. Why are you making another article about it? They might re-sign Didi. We don't know. Why waste the time and publish an article if you're not giving me any new information? It's just, it's been slow. I guess, I mean, it hasn't been super slow. We've had trades and signings to talk about every week, but it. I just feel like it's been slow for us. Obviously, it's been slow for the Yankees, but also just for, like, teams near us, teams that we've discussed so far, other than the Lindor trade last week, you know? Yeah. Um, but let's head into our team deep dive. This week, we are heading to Chicago. Chicago. For the White Sox. Scotty texted me the other day and said, are we doing the White Sox or Cubs? And then realized the Cubs are very much in the National League. Yeah, it, no, I forgot, I forgot how we worked for a second. <laughs> I go, ah, you know, we said Chicago. And then I, I was like, ah, which one? And then I go, I forgot. We're going league by league. <laughs> so um, this past season, they went 35 and 25 and were second place in the American League Central and ended up losing in the wild card to the A's. Um, Rich Renteria is their manager. I know nothing about him. And they play at Guaranteed Rate Field. I know nothing about that, too. Um, my One of my roommates and I last year were going to go on a uh, tr- like a weekend trip to Chicago to see a White Sox and a Cubs game. And then we realized that um, we were both poor and knew nothing about Chicago. So we didn't end up going. But um, I'd love to go. Um, more specifically to Wrigley than to guaranteed rate field, but whatever. Um, Let's dive into their lineup. Behind the plate, they have Yasmani Grandal, who's 31 years old, played in 46 games, and swung a 230, a 351, and a 422. Jose Abreu plays first base. He's 33 years old, played in 60 games, and led the team with 19 home runs and 60 RBIs. I love that he played in 60 games and had 60 RBIs. I know this isn't how it worked, but in my head, he just had one RBI every game. And I love that. Um, And he swung at 317, at 370, and a 617. Second base is Nick Madrigal. Madrigal? I'm really sorry. Some of these names I just... I I don't think it was the first one. It was Madrigal. (laughs) You didn't think it was Madrigal? I don't think Madrigal is much of (laughs) a... Madrigal does sound better. Um, he's 23 years old. He played in 29 games. He's on a 340, a 376, and a 369. Shortstop is the Tim Anderson, 
who is 27 years old, played in 49 games, swung a 322 with 357 and a 529. What a guy. Bat flips for days. Great batting average. DJ LeMay, who still beat him, but he put up a good fight. <laughs> Scotty just put up the loser sign. I saw, I don't know if I showed you this, I saw this one TikTok, and it was it was a girl going, is her videoing herself, and it's like her getting like denied to like her number one college. Did she do that? And no, the guy just goes, like looks in his pocket. Loser! <laughs> um... Third base is Yoan Mancata, who's 25 years old, played in 52 games, swung a 225, a 320, and a 385. Left field is Eloy Jimenez, 23 years old, 55 games, 296, 332, 559. Center field is Luis Robert, 23 years old, 56 games, swung a 233, a 302, and a 436. Right field is Nomar Mazara, 25 years old, 42 games, 228, 295, and a 294. Their DH is probably my favorite name in all of baseball, Edwin Encarnacion. It just rolls off the tongue <laughs> so well, but uh, he didn't have a great year. He uh, is 37 years old, played 44 games, swung a 157, a 250, and a 377. And they didn't really have like a strong 10th man who played like over 40 games, but the top guy was Danny Mendick, who was 26 years old, played in 33 games, and swung a 243, a 281, and a 383. Scotty, do you have any thoughts about the Chicago White Sox? Because mine are, I literally always forget they're a team. I did, and then Anderson, Tim Anderson started to do things. That's true. sparked it up last year. That's true. And then they made the playoffs, and I think that made people realize, hey, these guys actually can do things. <laughs> I agree. Like, pre-Tim Anderson, I was like, I, I don't know nor care about you. Um, and then Tim Anderson, like, started, like, being able like I think the first year that he did like his massive bat flip like they still were not doing well and then this last year they really stepped it up um yeah I don't really have many thoughts about the Chicago White Sox should I probably um obviously they came in second place in the American League Central this year so like they are able to win games but I don't know I've just They've never been a team that I really comes to mind when I think of winning baseball teams, you know? Yeah. And I think, I don't know if that's because, like, they share a city with the Cubs. And I've, I mean, not that the Cubs have been significantly more successful in the World Series wise. <laughs> um, but maybe I just always thought of the Cubs first and then the White Sox. I think I also get confused because the font, this might just be a me thing. The font that writes White Sox, like their their logo, looks exactly like the Detroit Tigers, like D. Like it looks like it's in the same font family. And like not that the Tigers are super relevant either. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. Um, definitely a team to keep looking out for because like they do post like pretty solid numbers. Um, like their top hitters are pretty, pretty good. Um, but I don't know. How's their how's their pitching, Scotty? Their pitching is darn good. So, <laughs> as I normally, let's go and start with their, their team stats as a whole. They had a 3.81 ERA, which put them in fifth in their league. Um, 13 saves, which is in 11th, which isn't that great. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't really need... I, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure what counts as a save. I think it's three runs. If you're up by more than three runs, it's no longer a save. Okay. But I don't think that really did anything because their ERA is below four yeah um they had four they gave up 448 hits which was second second lowest Mm -hmm. yeah going going good ways here uh 246 runs 71 home runs 523 strikeouts and that's fifth sixth and seventh respectively so they were in top pretty top numbers like just around top third of their league the whole, in all mm-hmm. those major stats, and it's it's mainly a it, uh, a big part of it was for this big guy, big guy. I mean, is meant in the most literal way. He's one of a kind. He's got his own stat now this year. Only man in MLB history 
to pitch a no-hitter in a video game the same year he pitches it in real life, Lucas Giolito. Love it. Love it. Love it. One thing I didn't, like, I saw this. I saw him. Like, I've seen pictures of him and everything. I didn't know. This man's 6'6", 245. Jesus. He does not look that big. He is massive. <laughs> he looks great for his size. <laughs> so he was a 2019 All-Star. Uh, he's, he, of course, had that uh, the no-hitter versus the Pirates on the 26th of August. There was another stat about that, too. Like, something about he threw a no-hitter to the same team in the same year or something. Does that sound familiar? I don't know. I could have swore there was something, or like a combined, I don't know. I might be talking right out of my butt. I, yeah, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember. Then again. I don't know, I thought there was another stat about then that. Then again, it, it was the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, I think I could throw a no-hitter against the Pirates. <laughs> um, and so Wait, record- did we talk about the Pirates? Yeah. We did? We did talk about the Pirates. That's just how terrible they are. <laughs> Oh, are they the National League Central? No. Oh, wait, yeah, they are. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about them in the future. Okay. Sorry. 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 No, because I was getting that confused with the Josh Bell that we talked about when we talked mm-hmm. about Josh Bell. Yeah, we only, right. yeah we talked about Josh Bell, but nothing else. Anyways, so sorry, as I, I didn't said, mean to cut you off. He had those two no hitters, of course, the one versus uh, the Pirates that I just said, and the one he had versus the Detroit Tigers in the MLB The Show um, Players League live stream comp- uh, competition that. The MLB and like Players Association. I don't know who exactly started. Who, yeah. Who, who coordinated it? But it was a fun thing that happened when quarantine first started. I feel all. like throwing a no hitter in the show is really hard. <laughs> I think it. Yeah, I think it's surprisingly hard. I mean, because like hitting a baseball in a video game, I think is obviously like significantly easier than hitting a real baseball. But like he's like a he's a freaking gamer. Like uh, no, like he went, he went, and he also has like done like Fortnite tournaments. Oh, he has just like he just regularly streams. Yeah, like he he. I love that. Is for real, but anyways, so 2018, he had a 6.13 ERA. Yeah. This year he had a 3.48 ERA. Oh wow. And as I said, he was a 2019 All Star, so he's come he's come pretty long mm-hmm. way. Yeah. He only gave up eight home runs this year. 97 strikeouts. Wow. 12.1 strikeouts per nine, which is four entire innings yeah. of striking people out straight. Uh, he gives up only a home run per game, like one home run per nine, and then he ended up seventh in the Cy Young this year. So I think that people are, were expecting a lot. I would say expecting a lot more from him, like I mean award-wise because of that no-hitter. But yeah, I think he just needs to cut his ERA a little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, not because, that, like, that much either. Yeah, because I mean, like, you look at, like, the people who did end up winning the Cy Young. Like, they had, like, a one-something ERA, correct? Yeah. They, like, all, they all were, like, one, maybe yeah. two. Like, he just needs to cut that. E- and obviously, he's taking strides. He cut it in half from 2018, right? Or 2019 to 2020? Well, two, uh, 2018 was a 6.13. So, he was in two years, he was able to cut it in half. Yeah. So... That should lead Tim being able to cut more off of it. I mean, I think he's I think he's exciting to watch and keep an eye on. But yeah, he was definitely like the first like like him throwing his no hitter was like the first like super big headline of the twenty twenty season. They were like, Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, Baseball's back. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it that it, it he's gum he's going a long way. He has a lot going for him. Yeah, and little on home runs. One home run per yeah, that's awesome. That that is insane. I mean, that also means that he's either giving up base hits. Or, so like, I don't know. I think I'd rather have my pitcher. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say I'd rather my pitcher give up base hit. Like the one side is that if he gives up base hits, you have opportunities to make outs and end like make that run not score. Exactly. You can turn double plays. As in, like you can't you can't defend a home run. But, like, if he's just giving up, like, doubles off the wall, you're like, all right, bro. <laughs> it's just a little less embarrassing if they just have to, like, slowly jog around the bases. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think he's a great pitcher. Don't, don't, don't take that away from that. <laughs> and so the next pitcher is a bit of an older man. He has, has a bit of a rough history. Dallas Keuchel. Wow. Bit of a rough, rough history because he was on the Astros for – yeah 2012 to 2018 but 
He's 32 years old. He has a lot. He has a lot, a lot of awards. He's mm-hmm. a two-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glover, one-time Cy Young. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's all. That's all great things. I mean, I didn't yeah. think. I didn't think that he really was all that amazing this year. Like, I, I didn't mm-hmm. think I heard of him that much. Yeah. I don't... He came fifth in Cy Young, and 17th in the MVP. I, I, I just did not know that. Uh, he had a 6-2 record with a 1.99 ERA. There's that ERA that you're talking about. Yeah. That's what gets you higher in the Cy Young. Or technically, yeah, higher. Um, Closer to the winner. Yes. 14 <laughs> ERAs. Get this. Two home runs. Wow. So that is .3 home runs per nine, which was the best in the MLB. Is there like, I don't know, this might be a weird question. Like, you know how like, Right field of Yankee Stadium and left field of Fenway is like a really easy field mm-hmm. to hit a home run out of. Is like the entire T of guaranteed right field. Oh, look at it right Like now. center, like right, dead right field of Fenway. Like, is it just like a hard stadium to hit the ball out of? Like, I don't, I obviously, like I said, I've never been to Chicago, so I don't know what the city's like, but like, you know how like Colorado. You hit more home runs there because the air is thinner. Yeah. Like, is there something about the field, or like, are the two? I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from them because obviously they had to play away games too. But like, because that's like a stupid. Like, that's ten home runs between the two of them. Yeah. Normally, pitchers give up significant, significantly more by themselves. I'm trying to see. Garrett Cole definitely gave up more than ten home runs this year. Oh yeah, he gave up. Chapman definitely gave up more than he ten home at, runs this year. Cole was at like. 12 by week two (laughs) (laughs) no i think he was only at like 12 by like maybe two weeks left this season yeah but like 10 between two players is insane oh the international signing period starts tomorrow here we go dimensions this will help us out it looks like a pretty basic field (laughs) 330 uh down left field line 335 down the right field line they're basically symmetrical Left, yeah. uh, left field, like normal left field's 377, normal right field's 372, and dead center's 400. And that's not like... No, it's really not anything huge. It's, it's honestly like very basic. So they're just really, 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 really they're, good, they're good at, at keeping, keeping the, the ball, ball in the park. Room. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those were their two top pitchers, and they did phenomenal for them. Yeah. Now um, we get into their other pitchers. I'll start off with the one that we had news on, Liam Hendricks. Yeah. The 31-year-old Australian. Woo! Nickname, I didn't know he was Australian. He's oh Australian. I love Australia. Nicknamed Slider. Slider. S-L-Y-D-A-H. Oh, Slider. <laughs> so, oh, I love Australians. Yeah. They're so fantastic. I can't wait to go back. <laughs> Slider. So he came ninth in the Cy Young voting, 13th in the MVP voting. He was an all-star back in 2019, posted a three and one record with a 1.78 ERA. Again, top, top 10 Cy Young, sub two ERA. Yeah. 14 saves, 14 hits, five earned runs, 25.1 innings, Uh a single home run. Like what the hell? And I mean, I feel like the big thing why he was not like higher in the Cy Young is because he is a reliever. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think a reliever often wins. Yeah, but he he had thirty seven Ks. I feel like the the pool of like to show that that you deserve it is much better for a starter. So I feel like it's almost easier for not that it's easy to win, but starters are more likely to win it. But one home run. So now the entire pitching staff, I mean, not the entire one, we obviously didn't go through everyone, is at 11 home runs. Yeah. And Let me just it, look up how many Garrett Cole had this year. <laughs> he gave up ba, 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 14 home runs. Ew, in 2017, he gave up 31. I mean, that's his whole thing. I mean, mm. <laughs> wait, 2017? Yeah. That's either, it's he was in it was, his last, in year in it was his last year in Pittsburgh. It was last year in Pittsburgh. their first year with Houston and last year with Pittsburgh. But then let's get to their closer, Alex Colome. I think it's Colome. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's a bit it, it's a Spanish last mm-hmm. name. I'm not good at Spanish. 
He's 31. He is a free agent this year, but when I read you these stats, uh, it's probable that he'll come back. Mm-hmm. So he's only a one-time All-Star, but he went 2-0 and with a .81 ERA, 12 saves. So, uh-huh. if I'm correct, uh, one save wasn't his. I yeah. almost, he almost had all the saves. <laughs> um, but yeah, 12 saves, two earned runs, zero home runs. Eight walks, 16 Ks, and 22.1 innings. Isn't it crazy when a closer cannot give up home runs? Who'd have thought? Especially especially in close games. Who'd have, who'd, <laughs> I didn't know games. that was an option. I thought it was home run or strikeout as a closer. Um. So, yeah, he great numbers there. Two earned runs. That's, that's crazy. And then, as I said, he is a free agent. But if... I don't think they have a closer. Uh, Liam Hendricks, as I said, he's just a reliever. He's just a reliever. So it is very possible that they'll bring him back. Um, but Colome is like he's somebody who has been kind of tossed. He, he's been like the closers that we've been talking about mm-hmm. a lot. They kind of just get tossed around. Yeah. So he might get picked up. He might stay with them. Might not. Might get tossed around. We'll see. Yeah, I'm all right. So now we know why they were um, able to win so much. I mean, we talked like their offense was solid, but their pitching staff is rock solid. That is, I'm blown away. It the war the worst part was that they gave up 71 home runs. How? I guess they had a rocky run. Who gave up so many home runs? So you have the three of them who have given up 11 because Hendricks hasn't pitched for them. Or 10. They've given up 10, 10. right? The reliever yeah. hadn't given up a home run. So they had... How many guys... I'm, I'm looking it up right now. That's 61 home runs given up by, like, what? Five other guys? Six other guys? I don't know how many pitchers you have on staff. This is something I should know. Um, there, There's a lot. No, it's not something you should know. They have 28 on staff. But, like, did uh, all 28 pitch often? Let's see. I just want to make check my stats. Home runs, Giolito, 8. Keuchel, 2. Colome, 0. Yep. Uh, Dylan Cease, I think is his. Is, mm-hmm. uh, he gave up 12. Mm. Did I not go through somebody that I wanted to go through? Is this? There's... Garrett, I'll just go over this now. Garrett, uh, crochet, cro- crochet, crochet, cro- crochet, yeah, crochet. <laughs> he's somebody that I've spoken about a lot. He is a rookie. He's come in here and has pitched extremely well. Oh he- yeah, I have him on mine. Yes, yes. Sorry, <laughs> I mean I'll give him his stats from here. No, go ahead. I have. I don't have much to say okay, about yeah, him. Yeah, no, he just. I mean, this is an insane story. He Shit. Got- Sorry, I have t- I have a second prospect who is also st- on the starting lineup. Damn it! So he's somebody who got drafted in 2020, and he already pitched for them. He pitched yeah, six innings yeah. this year, gave up three hits. I mean, he faced 22 batters, faced 22 batters, and gave up those four, uh, those three hits and struck out eight of them. That's like. You yeah. don't hear much in the MLB about a rookie doing very good his rookie like no. his true rookie year. Mm-hmm. And he has gone he has gone, he pitches hard and he's long as hell. Yeah. That that was like the one thing that they kept saying, I'll get to it, but like they were just like he is so long. He just doesn't end. No, he's also 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> yeah. Um wow, 71 home runs as a staff with those three only giving up 10. That's wild. That is wild. Um, do we want to dive into prospects? Go ahead. Okay, so the uh, first prospect is Andrew Vaughn. He's a 22-year-old first baseman. We're going to go through this pretty quick because we are um, time-wise really long today. Um, Andrew Vaughn is a 22-year-old first baseman who is one of the best hitters in college baseball at UC Berkeley. His sophomore year, he won the Golden Spikes Award. With a 374, a 495, and a 688, with 50 home runs in 160 games. Um, he was taken at number three overall last June and signed for a little bit over $7 million. He has a natural swing with no forced power. Those are my favorite swings, the ones that just look absolutely effortless. 
He doesn't chase outside of the zone very much and is projected to be a 300 hitter with 30 home runs and 80 walks on average throughout his career. He um, is not great at running, but how many first basements are? Uh, but he moves around the bag very well, so he'll, he'll you be... Play, you don't play first base to, to move very well. Exactly, exactly. Um, next is Michael Kopech. I don't know if I said that right, but he's a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher who was drafted originally by the Red Sox and then was traded as the centerpiece of the Chris Sale trade, then found his way to the White Sox. I don't think that – I think there was a stop between the Red Sox and the White Sox. I don't think Chris Sale came from Chicago. I'm not sure, though. But um, he is was seen as one of the top pitching prospects in the game. He finished among minor league strikeout leaders – and then had Tommy John that ruined his 2019 and then chose not to participate in 2020. So he hasn't played since 2018. Um, Pre-Tommy John, he was compared to Noah Syndergaard. He has a 95 – I said he was a right-handed pitcher, right? I don't know if I did, but I hope you figured that out by the time (laughs) I said Noah Syndergaard. Um, He had a 95-mile to 99-mile-an-hour fastball, but – in 2016, he got it to hit 105, which is disgusting. Starting pitcher? Uh, yeah, they want him. He can. They say that he can definitely be a frontline starter, but also can be a power closer. Yeah, I mean, if you hit 105, then very much I can. Yeah. Happening. <laughs> yeah. Um. He also has an 85 to 89 mile an hour slider, and is working on some softer pitches with his changeup and curveball. But he struggles to throw the ball soft in the strike zone. So I say just keep throwing it really hard. Um, he has been working on it, and in his last seven starts, of course this was also two years ago, he only had four walks. But um, this is Nick Madrigal, who I talked about earlier, and I wrote his name twice and didn't even recognize. <laughs> I was just like, yeah! Um, but I'll give you a little bit more information about him. Um, he's 23 and he's a second baseman. Obviously that's what he's playing on the team as a sophomore at Oregon state in 2017. He was one of the best players in the league, brought them to the college world series, won the college world series. He was taken at number four and had reached triple a very quickly as he hit 311 and led the minors with a 3% strikeout rate. That blows my mind. He only struck out 3% of the time at the plate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is one of the best pure hitting prospects, creates great line drives. I think that he's going to be super fun to check out and watch. Um, he had a strikeout ratio of 37 to 707 plate appearances in college. That blows my mind. I just really can't get over how little this guy strikes out. Um, yeah, I, that, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are kind of afraid of what kind of power he can create because he's kind of small, um, but he has awesome speed. High baseball IQ. Um, his arm is better suited for second base. It, obviously, he's described as like a, kind of a smaller guy, so he's not going to have this like cannon. But if they absolutely needed him to play shortstop, like if something happened to Tim Anderson or something, he could. Yeah, they right. wouldn't love it, but he could. All right, White Sox. Not everybody on your team can be six six. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta spread the height around. Um, on to Garrett Crochet, who Scotty was talking about. Yeah, he's so he's twenty one years old. He's a right-handed pitcher, and he made only one appearance, obviously, in 2020, but he was the highest-drafted Tennessee Vol since R.A. Dickey, who went at 11. Um, he has a fastball. Where the hell did he go? I'm sorry. That's a great question. Was, but, like, he was good. I think he was, like, 32 when he did. He, he, he was, like, really good with the Blue Jays and then disappeared two years later. Um, the last picture is him with the Mets. He played in Major League Baseball for the Rangers, Seattle Mariners, Minnesota Twins, New York Mets, Toronto Blue Jays, and Atlanta Braves. He's now 46 years old. God. <laughs> he, has, he has a book called Wherever I Wind Up, My Quest uh, for Truth, Authenticity, and the Perfect Knuckleball. <laughs> <laughs> he last pitched in, pitched in 2017. Anyway. Um, where am I? He has a Wait, fastball. He was 43 when he pitched 42? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um. His, he has a fastball that averages around 100. His slider's at 82 to 85 and has an above-average changeup that's about 90 miles an hour. His motion is conducive to starting, but he needs a little bit more command to really lock in his position as a frontline starter. 
he was, as Scotty said, he went right from the draft to the big leagues. He was rushed to the big leagues to be used out of the bullpen, and he was the first player bought straight to the big leagues since the Reds did it in 2010. 2010. 2010. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, he's gonna. I think he's gonna be a great talent to keep an eye out on. I think it's interesting um, to rush pitchers. I mean, I think out of anybody, pitchers you can rush, but I also think that it's just like, I don't know, that's kind of wild. Do you have any thoughts about him going right to the league? I mean, as I said, that's not. I mean, you never see like true rookies. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, (laughs) and he pitched. He pitched really well. Yeah, for for being so young. Um, young for somebody who went to college. Yeah. Um, and then their last guy, I don't have a whole lot on. Um, his name is Jared Kelly. He's a 19-year-old right-handed pitcher. He crushed the showcases in 2019 and was Gatorade Player of the Year and was signed in the second round. He has a 93 to 96-mile-an-hour fastball and an advanced changeup. He has a breaking ball that is in the low 80s that isn't as consistent as his other pitches, but, like, he's 19. He's a child. He's going to get better. Um... And he should mature into a durable and powerful pitcher. I mean, we already talked about it. They have these three already really great pitchers. They have Crochet, who's going to develop into an even better one. They have a lot of pitching hope within their prospects. And obviously, this guy who plays second base, who I wrote down twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as that, as that last pitcher just goes and works on his aim, is all that matters because you don't need another Jay Kelly going and throwing Throwing balls. Who's Jay Kelly? Joe Scotty? Kelly. <laughs> Joe Kelly. Jay Kelly. Jared and Joe Kelly. We don't need another one of those. <laughs> it's those J names. Those J Kellys. Um, watch out. Oh, I, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't make the connection with the last names. I was like, Scotty, who's Jay Kelly? Like, are you trying to say Joe and you just thought his name was Jay? No, Jay. Jay. First letter of the first name. Jay. Period. Kelly. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I obviously they put together a good team to make to be second place in the American League Central this year. I think they're a team obviously to look out for. So I don't want to rush us to the end here, but. I kind of want to rush us to the end here. <laughs> um, next week, Scotty, who do we talk about? We are on to the Indians. Whoa, maybe they'll have a new name by then. Ah, sh- right, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> so we'll head to Cleveland next week. I want um, to check. check them. You're going to check our geography? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I already, I already started getting things confused with um, leagues, so I don't want to get them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes cleveland all right so um we'll see you in cleveland um uh if you want to see any baseball news or any information about baseball between episodes you can follow us on instagram it is pinstripe dot podcast and if you want to i'm Listen, I'm like high key on a Twitter cleanse right now. There's a lot going on. I like scroll through it for like five minutes a day, and then I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. So I'm not even gonna shout my Twitter out. She's been, she's been compromised. I'm thinking about deleting the app off of my phone. It stresses me out, but we'll see. Um, so just check out our Instagram, and don't forget to like, share, rate, follow, whatever you're allowed to do to interact with the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, it really helps us out, makes us feel, feel good about ourselves. Um, and this has been the Pinstripe Podcast. Bye!